good friend loves at all times. That's what the word says. Bless God. Well, over the past few weeks, we've been uh, discussing and studying what it means in the life of a Christian believer to be fruitful. We've based our text in John chapter 15, and so far we've pretty much covered verses 1 through 11 and with some other references here and there in the same chapter and, and also elsewhere in the Bible, but I wanted to read through what we have covered and kind of recap very quickly. So John chapter 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God's first God's original command to mankind was first recorded in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, we've talked recently about the, the fact that Jesus is both our source and the, our purpose for our fruitfulness. Pastor Dick told us, and I'm quoting from his message, fruitfulness is the prime indicator in the depth or lack of depth of our relationship and intimacy with God. In other words, we show our closeness to God and his closeness to us by how fruitful or how productive we are in our lives as a demonstration of his love and his glory. Mike Higgins talked about being fruitful through obedience to God and that our obedience is dependent on Jesus, the true vine, as the supplier that produces the life and obedience and fruitfulness in us. He told us that we must always stay with God and stay unified in him. He referenced 1 Corinthians 3.9, which tells us that we are God's fellow workers. And he informed us that true obedience to God is found in loving relationships with God, with our brothers and sisters, and in a sense, even with our enemies, as Jesus uh, told us in the Gospel of Luke. And last week, Barbara shared from John 15, 7. She explained that according to Timothy 3, 16, God's breathed words of Scripture are profitable to us if they abide in us, that is, live in us, dwell in us. And she examined the conditional part of John 15, 7, 
and helped us to understand how to have God's word abide in us and help us stay close to him. So close, in fact, that we dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, as we're told in Psalm 91. So I did listen. <laughs> and all of these messages that have, that have come before uh, are listed, and, and uh, you can access them on the Lakes Region Vineyard Church website on the Internet. So if you, if you, you know, want to hear them again, go back and do that. They're really very powerful if you go back and listen to them. And so the, the messages are uh, recorded for us. But today I want to talk to you about what it means to be fruitful by being a friend of God. So I want to put the whole passage in context. First, we have to understand and we have to recognize why Jesus spoke these things to these men at this time. We could take the, the John 15 out of its context, and it's good. But if you put it into context of what was going on, it's better. Because understanding the circumstances that surround the words help us to understand the application of the words. So this section of John's gospel is the account of Jesus giving his farewell speech to the disciples at the Passover dinner just before his arrest, trial, crucifixion, and resurrection. So John 13 begins with the account of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples at the beginning of the Passover uh, uh, dinner. And after finishing that, he says to them, in verse 12, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example what you should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, the statement that he says here, I've given you an example, sets the precedent for what he's going to say a little bit later in chapter 15, where he says, love one another as I have loved you. So he's given us an example by the washing of the feet. And so this begins the entire account that leads us to chapter 15, where we're spending most of our time, in which Jesus is now comforting the disciples in anticipation of his impending death. So understanding his message of encouragement in the uh, sorrow of their imminent loss of their friend Jesus and recognizing him recognizing their own future trials and their own future persecution, their own martyrdom, knowing all things, let's take a look again at the commandment that Mike read in John 15, 12, and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And again in verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Now Mike did an excellent job with that, so I'm not going to go any further with that at the moment, but it does play very heavily into what we're talking about today. Jesus demonstrated the best show, the, the epitome, the pinnacle of love. As he stated in chapter 13, he gave us that example. He laid down his life for his friends. But are we his friends? Are you and Jesus friends? Are Jesus and I friends? What does it mean 
to be a friend whom Jesus considers worthy of his life in exchange for my death. This, too, is conditional. Let's consider what Jesus said in John 15, 4. You are my friends if you do what I command you. What has he commanded us? To love one another. So we have his words, the words that should abide in us, meaning that all scripture is breathed by God. We have his commandment to love one another. We have two examples of that love demonstrated by him, first through the washing of the feet, caring for one another, and second by laying down his life for his friends. And now as we proceed through this last teaching that Jesus gave, we have the outcome of what happens when we remember and live by those words and like good servants obey that commandment. We experience a change in our intimate relationship with God, a promotion of sorts. Jesus says, I'm not going to call you servants anymore. Verse 15, he says, I'm going to call you friends. How many times has someone called you a servant of God? We like to be called servants of God. It's a good thing for us. We all want to hear the words that Jesus spoke in the parable in Matthew. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That's something we all hope to hear. I think I remember Dick saying one time, it's the one thing he wants to hear from his Lord that day. So according to some, according to the Greek, uh, a servant is one who follows and performs the commands of his master. The word means slave. However, the Bible has shown us that to be a servant of God is not necessarily a bad thing or a slavish thing. Moses was a servant of God. Joshua, David were both called servants of God. And in the New Testament, Paul, writing to Titus, declared himself a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And James, later on, says, uh, called himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to be a servant in the Christian mindset is a good thing. But like the servants in the, that I mentioned in the Old Testament in the, and in the context of John 15, up to this point in his ministry, the disciples of Jesus were left with hints and parables. And all of the, uh, in the Old Testament, God never spoke directly to the people. He spoke to, the, to those prophets, those servants. He talked to Moses as a friend, okay? Abraham was a friend of God, but he didn't really reveal all knowledge to them. But at this point in the ministry, Jesus, uh, the, the disciples didn't know. He had been talking in parables, and he had to stop and explain them to them. But uh, so they didn't know where he was going, what he was doing, and what his purposes were at any given time. Or ultimately, at that time, they still didn't know what his purpose was on this earth. But that was all about to change. Now things are going to change. We're going to pick up in John 15, verse 15. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, 
For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy defines the word friendship as follows. Quote, Friendship is a distinctively personal relationship that, A, is grounded in a concern on the part of each friend for the welfare of the other. Okay, there's a mutuality. For the other's sake, and that, B, involves some degree of intimacy. So friendship is caring for the other intimately. In the Bible, James 4.4 says, friendship with the world is enmity or hostility with God. So if that's true, and you think of what friendship is, then friendship with Jesus Christ is intimacy with God. And that's the basic thought of John 15. You see, Judas had already been, had already been um, uh, revealed at that time. And he had left to meet the temple guards who were going to arrest Jesus. But at that critical moment, Jesus called his true disciples, his remaining disciples, his abiding disciples, the branches, the for real disciples, the fruit-bearing believers. He called them his friends. In the fullest sense of the word, Jesus uses it in reference to the relationship with all his disciples. In some places in the New Testament, he calls, Jesus called us sons of God, children of God. And in Hebrews 2 verse 11, he says, for, uh, Paul wrote, for he who sanctifies, this is Jesus, he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, the vine. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. So there's this intimacy that's involved. Now, Matthew 12, 50 records Jesus speaking, says, Forever who, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother when his family came to him. But he, again, in that relationship, implies intimacy. We are called disciples, which means learners. We're called sheep, which means followers. John writes in chapter 10 to verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. In all of these things, brother, sister, mother, disciples, sheep, in all of these relationships, the thread, common thread is a thread of intimacy. The message is that one who personally knows and loves Jesus Christ has a personal, intimate, loving, fruitful relationship with the Son of God. See, we don't need any particular authority. We don't have to pass any particular formality. We're not like the slave who cannot enter the presence of his master without permission. We have immediate and instant access into his presence at all times because we're his friends. A friend can come to me at any time, day or night, and I'm not offended. I'm not upset. A true friend. Do you have a friend who you can call at 1 o'clock in the morning and say, I need you to come over here? Are you a friend? 
that someone could call you and say, I need you to come over here. Instant, immediate, intimate access is what friendship is about. We have complete and total intimacy with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because he calls us his friends. So how do we know that we're friends of Jesus? How, do we really can, how can we really tell? Is there a way that I can absolutely say, I'm a friend of Jesus, Israel Houghton wrote the song, I'm a friend of God, and it's a great song, but how do we know? What's the mark that tells us? Well, there are five noticeable marks or characteristics of, or manifestations, you could say, of the friends of Jesus. These are ways that you can recognize a friend of Jesus. This isn't how you become a friend of Jesus. This shows how visible it is that you already are his friend. The world can tell who we are because of our relationship with him. The friends of Jesus, and here are the five, they love each other. They know divine truth. They're chosen out of the world. They bear remaining fruit, and they have their prayers answered. By these five, you will recognize a friend of Jesus. The first mark or characteristic to love each other is clearly stated, and we've already discussed this, John, ver John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14 adds, you are my friends if you do what I command you. There's that conditional part. Romans 5, verse 5 tells us, hope has not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. So the love is there through the Holy Spirit. We experience love. We live in it. We live for it. We're immersed in it. Moreover, a true believer shares it with other believers. You can't be a true believer in Jesus Christ and not have love for other believers. It doesn't happen. If you don't have love for somebody in your life, the solution is not to conjure up love. The solution is just get closer to Jesus so that the love for others becomes a fruit that is produced by him, the vine, through you, the abiding branch, to another. It's not your love. It's his love. The second characteristic is that Jesus' friends know divine truth. Verse 15 says, all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. And he spoke many times throughout the different gospels where he says that which I've heard from the father, I've given to you. A servant could never be a friend. His master never told him why. He just told him what. However, we who are friends of Jesus are not blindly obeying like the servant. We share the details. He lets us in on what he's doing. He shares his motive, his method, and his meaning with us. John 8.32 tells us, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus promised us, shown in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We who are the friends of Jesus receive an intimacy of knowledge that came from the Father through the Son to us, 
the divine knowledge is passed to us through the vine, Jesus. The third mark. Jesus' friends are especially chosen. You have been chosen by God. It's not an accident. In our earthly relationships, friends usually choose each other mutually. But in Jesus' case, he simply chose us. It wasn't our choice to friend him, Facebook term, but it was our choice to receive his friendship. He had already made the choice. Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4 read as follows. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he, that is God, chose us in him, Christ, before the foundation of the world. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And therefore, we have every spiritual blessing. He has chosen us. Back to John 15, verse 19, it informs us, you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Why did he choose us? Verse 27 answers that question. You also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning, from the foundation of the world. Why have we been chosen to be his friends? So that we will bear witness of him. It's reported in Acts 1.8 that Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We've been chosen so that we can bear witness to Christ who chose us. The fourth characteristic of a friend of Jesus is that he or she will bear abiding or remaining fruit. When we share the love of Jesus with others, we carry eternal fruit. We carry the life of Jesus to them. When we go and share the love of Christ, we're bringing something that is eternal with us. It's not our work of eternity, it's his. So we carry it to them, and it remains affecting them forever, for eternity. For Christ is eternal, and there is never any diminishing in him. He, there's nothing in him that will ever fade. There is no shadow of turning in him. That's abiding fruit. We carry that to others. And furthermore, when Jesus gets into somebody's life, that life is always changed forever. That's also abiding fruit. Revelation 14, 13 confirms that and says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them into eternity. The things you do in God will never fade away. You affect eternity. The fifth mark of Jesus' friends is that their prayers are answered. How many of us have ever asked the Lord for something and we believe we never got answered? God didn't answer my prayer. Well, the question is timing. But he does. We read in John chapter 11, starting in verse 41, that when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he prayed, saying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That's key. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around 
that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Instant, obvious recognition, answered prayer. God hears our prayers, and he hears and answers the prayers of his son. And he hears and answers the prayers of his son's friends. He answers our prayers. When we pray, we often add the, uh, at the end of our prayers, we add the words, in Jesus' name. Now, there's some controversy with that because some people have raised the question whether that's using the name of Jesus as like a trump card. Okay, All this, God, I want in Jesus' name hoping that God will respond because of the name of Jesus. He's bound to respond because we've invoked the name of the Son of God. However, the truth of the matter is, when we ask things in the name of Jesus, we say that because our hope is that this is what Jesus would want. If his words are abiding in us, then what the Father has given us, we will be giving. And that is what Jesus did and As I have done, so you should also do. So we follow his example. Thus our prayers would follow his example. And we would see the answers more immediately, more obviously. So this, too, goes back to the definition of friendship. In that the concern on the part of each friend is for the welfare or benefit of the other. When we pray... Our concern should be for the benefit of someone else, and it should be done through the friendship with Christ, where the concern Christ has for us is for our benefit and for the benefit of someone else. It's selfless. So these, then, are characteristics. These are visible marks of of people who are the friends of Jesus. This is what true friendship with God really is. Nevertheless, Like all the other blessings we have heard and those we live with, they are somewhat conditional. The true friends of Jesus love each other, yet the Bible says we must love each other intensely, which pushes us to a more extreme. The true friends of Jesus know divine truth, yet the Bible says study the word of God to show yourself approved, rightly dividing it. The true friends of Jesus have been called out of this world, yet the word says so carefully to us, Walk worthy of such a high calling. A true friend of Jesus bears eternal fruit, yet the Bible says to seek to bear more fruit in response to the cleansing and refining of the Father. The friend of Jesus prays and God answers, yet the Bible says pray fervently, pray effectually, and pray continuously. Galatians says, without ceasing. With each characteristic mark of evidence of our friendship of Jesus comes a condition to pursue still more fruit, to multiply each according to its kind. Are you searching for love? Are you searching for truth? Are you longing for purpose? Are you looking for something to live for, something to be a part of, to be involved in some great plan? Are you longing for a meaningful, purposeful, productive life? Are you searching for supernatural resources 
to all your needs? Are you looking to have your prayers answered? Are you yearning for more fruit? If so, then I say to you simply, be a friend of Jesus. You'll have them all. We said earlier that Jesus chose his own friends. He may have already chosen you. He may be calling you right now. And if he is, this is the time you must respond personally to him. I'm going to ask the elders, pastors, and School of Kingdom Ministry graduates to come up here and join me in the front. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you for the truth and the light that your word brings to our lives. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone here right now who's heard your call. Perhaps there's one, perhaps more than one, whom you've chosen to be your friend. And you're just waiting for them to respond. And I pray, Father, that they would do just that, that they would respond, that they might become a true friend of Jesus. Help us all, Lord, to be friends of Jesus, that we would be more fruitful, that you would be glorified in us and through us. Thank you for hearing and for answering our prayer. For we do pray in the name of him whom we love and whom we serve with love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.